welcome back to episode 37 of Scar Bears. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. It is a blessing, and it's so wonderful to have you here with me today. And Nate and Britton Barron, again, making me look and sound better than I actually do. If you want to reach out to them, you can find them at Nate Barron. Well, today's sponsor is this little string. It helps me remember. Oh, well, I guess it's not worth much after all. All right. Anyway, my guest today is Annie Harton, a licensed marriage and family therapist who is here not to talk about those icky outside scars, but the inside ones, not only about others, but also her own. How are you today, Annie? I'm doing well. Excellent. And so as I said before, that you don't like to deal with the icky outside scars. You like to work with those inner ones. What, what got you uh, interested in working with those? Well, I definitely don't like blood. So I used to want to be a vet uh, because I loved animals and, and loved that whole idea about healing people and animals, um, but I wasn't able to handle any sort of outside uh, ooey, gooeyness. Um, so I grew up in a family of quadruplets. So I'm the big sister of quadruplets and my, my parents have been married um, for a few decades. So I was so surrounded by family growing up and learned a lot about communication, learned a lot about love and feelings and relationships. So I always love to listen and love to help people feel happier and have more fun in life. And I wanted to bring that sort of joy, that sort of love that filled our house um, into other, other homes and other re relationships. You know, a lot of people who grew up in that kind of uh, community, you know, in their house, they do sometimes take it for granted. And when they see families that don't have that, they, they don't understand. And so for you to have that, that empathy, mm -hmm. to want to share that with others is applaudable um, and laudable and other words that rhyme with audible. Um, so uh, what so what were your first steps into becoming a therapist? I really loved my senior psychology class in high school. We got to train rats, which was really fun. It was the oh, wow. season where Ethan Zahn won Survivor, and my family was okay. Survivor all the time, and so I named my little rat Ethan, and I really <laughs> loved, um, loved working with that rat all, all year as we got to do experiments and really see why we think what we do, why we do what we do, why we get scared, why we um, get excited about different different aspects of life. What was your most uh, eye-opening revelation when you were working with Ethan? Um, I think it was the fact that he froze when we punished him. So, so we were in the, we were working with these rats in the box in, in the Skinner box, uh, mm -hmm. where we were able to train them 
to press a lever for food or to not press a lever for food, depending on what their surroundings uh, were telling them. So if Ethan smelled lemon, he was supposed to press the lever for food. And if he saw a stuffed cat outside the, the Skinner box, he was supposed to not <laughs> press it. Um, and at first we did um, punishment by like shock. So there's punishment by shock and then there's punishment by removal. So when we shocked him, he just kind of froze up in the corner of the cage and didn't do anything and didn't want to do anything and just like was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So just the aspect of our humanness as well to know that when something continues to happen to us, especially in this year of 2020, I feel like we can get weighed down, we can get paralyzed, we can lose that hope that's like, what's the point of doing anything um, if this is going to happen happen to me again. So after we, we um, did a couple more trials of removal, then, then he started doing more more work when he saw oh i won't get shocked anymore now i'm just gonna continue to go through go through the movement so i thought that was really powerful to see happen yeah that, that is uh very interesting i when you said they, 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 that he froze i just imagine well first of all i imagine my dog whenever i you know where you catch him in the garbage he's, yeah. he's like, <laughs> look around him and, and then for some reason i thought of uh I thought of Dr. Grant and the kids in Jurassic Park when the T-Rex was coming and they kind of froze. And so I guess imagine a rat be, you know, freezing as a giant cat was looming over him. You know, if I stay still, he won't, he won't eat me. So, so yeah. I, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm always here for T-Rex jokes. I think T-Rex jokes are. <laughs> gotcha. If you're happy and you know it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the making your bed one. That's my favorite one. <laughs> making your um, so after after that class in high school, I went on to college to get a bachelor's in psychology. And at the end of your bachelor's, you start taking clinical. So there's many different kinds of psychology. So I didn't really know um, exactly where it was going to take me. I was look, looking at PhD. I was looking at um, some different um, avenues to go, whether it was research or whether it was um, all therapy uh, mm -hmm. related. So I loved my cl clinical classes. It was like free therapy in school because we have to practice with our classmates. So mm -hmm. it was really fun to really see the power of just having a simple question ask of you or an exploration of a time where so, you know, this happened in your life and then people are crying in class and being like, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know I had anything to talk about. And it's just amazing how that attention can really help you explore what's all inside and all those scars and wounds that, that you weren't aware of until someone kind of prodded at them. So then I went on to um, get a master's in theology, actually. So alongside studying psychology, I went to a Catholic uh, college St. Mary's at Notre Dame and I okay. did a lay ministry certificate as well because I've always been interested in my faith and there was this program across the street at Notre Dame that allowed me to work in a parish uh, somewhere in the country so I went to Texas for two years and worked um, in, 
in ministry. And as I learned theology and as I learned about how the church community works and how we are called in our hearts and our minds and to discover something deeper and to come to the faith, especially when I heard people's stories of becoming Catholic and where they led, where their lives had led them to this particular day of when they're like, I want to enter today rather than 20 years ago, 50 years ago, or wherever they were in their journey. Um, but even though I loved ministry, there was still this calling to say, do marriage counseling, do marriage counseling, do marriage counseling, because there was a depth that I wasn't able to reach as a minister um, because there were families all the time that came in with stories and, you know, asking for prayer or saying they were going to get divorced or saying that they were um, in some sort of family difficulty. And there was like a fire in me that was like, oh, I want to go behind the scenes with you and like help you help you figure this out. Um, there's one you could like take off your minister hat and put on your therapist hat. I want I, I wanted to and realized that I couldn't until I was licensed. So there was this fire that I just couldn't couldn't put out, even though it was an awesome way to serve. Um, the story I, I like to bring up is there was this family that we were teaching about forgiveness and this mom just walked by me and said, thanks for teaching me how to teach my kids about forgiveness. My husband and I are no longer gonna get a divorce. And then she walked out and then I was like, whoa, whoa, like <laughs> that's, I want to help. I want to help you with that. That's yeah. there's a lot going on there, and that doesn't just change overnight. You know, like we yeah. need to work on communicating, work on healing, and so there were inner interactions like that that really wow. made me want to jump in further to the behind the scenes of the the counseling. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so you you uh, exit the ministry and enter the grad uh, program. So my, my second master's uh, was was here back back in Indianapolis uh, in marriage and family therapy. So it was a specialization, which for all those who do some sort of counseling, there's alphabet soup uh, related to all of the licenses and specialties. And what's neat about marriage and family is that we're specialized on systems. So we take four semesters or so of how systems work and how relationships um, kind of work together and how you communicate and how you deal with feelings and how you explore. Like there's just so much exploration on that specifically that the other licenses don't focus on exclusively because there's other, other ways to focus. Um, yeah. Okay. And so when you uh, enter that realm, you know, how long was it before you reached your next, I guess, benchmark or uh, your next adventure? Yeah. In internship, we had to interview uh, someone. Well, no, it was an ethics class. In ethics class, we had to interview someone in the field. Mm -hmm. And for marriage and family, it's hard to find a lot of internships related to couples and family because a lot of times it's a private practice or someone that doesn't necessarily take a lot of interns like yeah. a hospital or a clinic or a community health um, kind of setting. So I found this guy on catholictherapist.com and uh, he said, oh, I want to interview you too, because the fact that I shared his faith 
he was as excited about meeting me as I was about meeting him. And so I ended up working at his practice for six years or so mm-hmm. throughout, throughout all of my time post, post-grad. And then I did some ministry jobs and then I was laid off from a um, community health center at the start of COVID. So mm-hmm. at the start of quarantine, they had to lay off a lot of employees, but I had thankfully finished my therapy hours. So we have to get a thousand hours in order to get licensure. So I had finished those a thousand hours. And thanks to my book that I'm going to be talking about here in a minute, um, another, another therapist found me and reached out on my website and I'm at his practice now. And it's just the greatest blessing I could imagine. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know a lot of people are finding that it's necessary to find, to pivot and to, mm-hmm. and to find that next angle or maybe jump in a whole new lake and, yeah. you know, and start swimming. And so, yes, we are going to go back to that book uh, because, you don't, you know, you don't just say, hey, I have this book and walk out the door like you said a couple of couple minutes ago. You don't. You just dropped out, dropped that suitcase and now it opened it up. So let's hear about this book. Yeah. So I have always been wanting to be a marriage and family counselor, but I was never in a relationship myself. So I was in relationships with friends, with family members, but was always that odd one out of my friend group. I was always the fifth wheel, seventh wheel, whatever, how many ever wheels I was but mm-hmm. I was always wondering why am I not dating why am why does no one seem to want me to be more than a friend I was always kind of the friend the friend zone mm-hmm. with, with people and all through college I didn't date then grad school I didn't date and then I was praying for this date for a wedding I had my first plus one invite to a wedding and so yeah. I prayed for a year um, for a date for this wedding and not just any date, but like the date um, for like, I was tired of <laughs> being alone. I was like, I, I'm, I'm ready to meet the one. And so on the 30th day, so I prayed for a year and then I also prayed the specific 30 day prayer. And on the 30th day, um, I met this guy and it was really cool how that all how that all played out so then he ended up being my first my first love and we dated for two and a half years until he felt that um he wasn't he he wasn't feeling worthy about us uh he wasn't feeling worthy about my love he wasn't ready for marriage we had talked about marriage since day one and so it was just we were mid twenties. Um, we were serious. And so I think that was the biggest pivot for me, I guess, and saying, okay, I thought my life was going in this direction. I thought that this was all, this made sense why I waited. This made sense why my dreams were pointing in that direction. And then here there was a no. And I go, wait, wait a minute. How can you be shopping for rings? and then like change your mind. And then now I'm left with nothing again, you know, and now I'm like back to single Annie that I was always single Annie then that, that, that time. And then I was single again. And 
I have never felt that low after that point I just was like out of all of the counseling work I've done out of all of the study of relationships we had everything we went to counseling we had everything going for us everyone was telling us we were going to get married every like the stars were aligning and all of my analytical um ness about relationships and love and all of that I was just so I was feeling so inadequate and kind of so dumb like I was just like did I miss something like there wasn't did I miss something here and so did you I never give a, a like a specific moment where he came to this realization or was it something that had been eating at him or or in the back of his mind for some time um a lot of it was from the back of his mind a lot of it was just his growth and development um a lot of men are kind of feeling that too that that there's this kind of feeling of what happens when i get married and how does that change my life now and how am i dealing with my old wounds and how am i just kind of coming to terms with what marriage is and who men are when they get married and what that does so there was a lot that he was he was figuring out in his own heart his own walk um his own hopes his own understandings of how things would be but there was always this hope in my mind that he would choose me in the end like i was like why 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 wouldn't he choose me <laughs> um we have everything going for us and so i've never felt like this lack of hope that i did then as a counselor it's actually really helped me that i've had this experience because i've never understood why people get so low and so 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 depressed so hopeless and so i really hit rock bottom and i just had really recognized the reality of how much i put my worth into this particular relationship and into oh i'm not single anymore i'm in a relationship i'm about to get married my sister was preparing for her wedding so i was starting to like oh we get a plan together kind of kind of timing and and my whole story would come together. I'd be a married marriage counselor. Imagine that. And, and all of that just really rocked my world. And it really kind of scared me about how I was kind of not at the point of complete kind of suicidal net, but there was this kind of attraction to, to having nothing over what I had. Like, I was like, what's the point? You know, if all of this was leading up to this and I hit this wall, then what else is there? You know, if you're mute. So, sorry, it was a bit of nihilism? A nihilism, um, I don't know. I think there was just a sense of hopelessness, like saying if this is what I was shooting for and my whole life kind of seemed put together and then nothing, I just didn't know where to go from that. I've never been through a breakup. I had never been through a relationship. I've I'm a marriage counselor. I was supposed to be a pro at all of this. Yeah. <laughs> and and here I just felt so lost and so forgotten and so abandoned. Like this was not the plan. This was not this. And so I really realized how much identity I put into this picture so that when I was wounded, it was even more painful because there wasn't supposed to be a wound there. You know, it was like a fresh yeah fresh skin that had never been 
dated before I got and and never been cut. So that first cut was so hard. It was so hard. Yeah, I, I think uh, who was it? Cheryl Crow really nailed it on the head uh, that with her song there. <laughs> so and, and then not to bring light to it, but I mean, you know, art does imitate life, and, mm -hmm. and so you know what what got you out of that lowest depth then? I think naming it was the first thing to really say, whoa, 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 whoa. like, what am I, like, this is not Annie. This, I am, I am very happy. I'm hopeful. I'm faithful. A lot of people say I'm kind of the curious people, you know, they know. And I decided that I was really going to reclaim singleness because my, my time of singleness prior to this relationship was all pointed towards marriage and all like, oh, I'm single, but someday I'll get married and someday, and I'm just so lonely. But then this time I was like, oh, this is a special time. Singleness is so special. And I took a singles course um, by Stephanie Mae Wilson, who I absolutely love, um, called Love Your Single Life. And then I, I got a few more resources of just learning how to embrace a season that you never know how long it will last. So like tomorrow your singleness can last, you know, in forever. So how are you using this time to really love yourself? Um, so I um, actually walked the Camino in Spain. So I hiked the Camino, yeah. I, I hiked across Spain by That's myself um, to really reflect on my twenties and welcome my 30s so it was the summer that I turned 30 and I was like okay let's reflect on this whole past decade and welcome this this era of being single in your 30s and really doing something for me and on that on that walk I felt really called to go on a year-long dating fast on my 30th birthday and write a book um, so during that time of thinking and praying and getting to know people across the world and hearing all these stories, because when you're walking with someone from around the world, I met so many people, but you just walk and you just, you know, hit deep to the heart, like within minutes, because you're just walking and what else are you going to talk about? You're not just going to talk about the weather. You're going to talk about like, why are you walking? And, oh, you're going through heartbreak and you're going through this and just to really encounter healing. And so I came back, started a year-long dating fast on my 30th birthday, and and God really invited me to write a book called Single Truth about what I've learned about love as a single marriage counselor as kind of a response from people that say, what do you know as a marriage counselor if you're single? You know, what do you have to teach me if you're not even in a marriage yourself? Kind of like that, those, con those comments that people give me. Yeah. Um, and uh, to dedicate it to, to my ex and to dedicate it to anyone who doesn't feel worthy of love and to anyone who doesn't find their identity and anything kind of beyond what's right in front of them and what they can see in their current relationship or lack of. Yeah. That, and you brought it before when you were talking about your ex and then with that, uh, that walk is... I want to say Camino because I'm such a Star Wars geek, but that's not what it's called, is it? It is. Oh, Camino. Okay. Because I, I, just, I just imagine all, all kinds of clones on either side. Camino but, just means walk. 
that's what Camino means in Spanish is walk. Or the yeah, walk. yeah. Well, I, I, I just want to make sure I heard it correctly. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, uh, but anyway, um, geeking this aside, sorry. That, as, as you can tell, I'm, you know, it's all around me. Um, that walk metaphor is so powerful, um, especially when you use that first with your ex, you know, on his walk. Mm-hmm. And then you're here on your walk and using that as a metaphor for a life, a lot of people find that, or at least I think that um, they, they might see that a, you know, their life journey is like from start to end. And that's mm-hmm. it. And like marriage is the end. It's the happy ever after. Mm-hmm. But I just love this uh, image of a walk being, you know, it's along you're along the journey mm-hmm. and and so and that's what your book talks about isn't it mm-hmm. yeah and um just i really love the subtitle because it's called you are more than your relationship status and that subtitle came just a week or so before i printed it <laughs> um before i was going to say uh what I've learned about love as a single marriage counselor. So along my walk, but then I felt this, this turn to focus on others, other people's walk. Like I wanted, I wanted it to be an affirmation in itself because affirmation is my love language. And I really like to speak to the reader. Um, So whether that's my psychology profile online or like my therapy profile or whether that's my website or whether that's that I want to talk to the person that I'm that I'm dialoguing with. So I love that it's right there front and center. You are more than your relationship status. So, so many that's people all you read. That. That's all you need to read. <laughs> you yeah, can read the yeah. book. That's all I want. I want you to know is that even if you don't have a relationship, even if you do have a relationship, you are not that. That's not your, you are more as a person than just a married person or just a single person. Yeah, that's huge. And that I think so many people, especially now uh, in this pandemic, when they feel that they can't go out and meet people or, you know, they are separated from others, that they feel, you know, they might feel, oh, well, I, I can't date or mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't see this person. And, and it's like, and I love that you're saying, well, that's okay. That doesn't make you less of a person because you're not with someone else. Yeah. Quarantine especially has highlighted everyone's status. So for all the people on the news that are talking about, oh, being stuck with your families and your kids and having to entertain everybody and trying to do this. There was a flip side to that about all the single people who can't hug anybody, you know, who who don't have anyone to entertain and who are kind of like, who am I going to hang out with? You know, and I'm I'm currently in quarantine right now and and just all of these seasons of quarantine this year has really highlighted wherever you're at. If you're married, you know you're married. And quarantine has either made or broke, made or broken couples because oh, yeah. of that awareness. Like, oh, we're married. <laughs> or <laughs> single people, you know you're single in quarantine <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's very obvious. So I think quarantine has kind of brought to light 
what we tend to run away from or or what we tend to deny there's no hiding in the sense of quarantine so wherever you're at you are at and so mm -hmm. it's very very clear very evident what kind of a response have you received from the book i've received a really positive response and all the reviews on amazon are really encouraging and i remind people that the book is not just for singles as we just said that whether you are in a relationship or not people define themselves by that status no matter what that is and i've gotten a big feedback from married men um, reading the book which i think is really neat and then some people have pointed out the importance of having middle school kids and high school kids read it um mm, yes in, in preparation for for that because a lot of times you just are in a stupid relationship or something just for the sake of saying that you're not single um like it's really for everybody because whether you are in any season of life this does not define you and we just find so many things in life whether that's our job you know all these people who lost jobs this year they've had the pivot and say oh i'm not that i guess i have to be something else now mm -hmm. um whether you are a parent or not a parent whether you are um married single divorced um widowed like all all of these things can define us um but they shouldn't because our story is so much more vast than that and when we present yeah. ourselves to others when we when we present ourselves to the world we need to think beyond just those general demographic like saying oh i'm just a family guy you know but yeah that's good but you need to bring other parts of you into that role so that you have something to give rather than just like oh well this is who i am i just get to sit in this box now and that's what i do yeah you are more than the sum of your parts yeah yeah totally and a big part about my book that i that i do love is that i wrote it with men in mind and i feel like a lot of relationship resources are very lovey they're very you know romantic kind of girl books very emotional and focus on kind of the feminine mindset and i wanted this to be as appropriate for men as possible so that i made sure like the cover was kind of um something that men and women would pick up mm -hmm. um, i wanted to make sure the reading was very appropriate i didn't want them to feel like they're picking up this like romance novel um so i i think writing it with my ex in mind helped me to know who i was communicating with 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 a man you know so like women will definitely get a lot out of it because it's from my heart from a woman's heart but i think it speaks to people of all ages all genders all yeah i mean and i you know as a as a, a man i appreciate that you wrote that you wrote the book with men in mind because a lot of times we are part of the relationship and, yeah, yeah all, all you know, the time <laughs> yeah you know so and and so it, it's it's nice to hear that you know it's not just you know a book uh you know for women that mentions men you know it's you know we are part of the situation too in a lot of situations so um no, I, I do I definitely appreciate that. Now you said it's on Amazon, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, excellent. And so, you know, uh, when was it released? Um, the summer of 2019. Okay, all right. So cool. And so uh, what, uh, what other uh, projects do you have in the works here? Yeah, I hope to write more. So this was the first book I've written and I've always loved, loved writing. But now that I've learned how to self-publish, um, I have learned how to kind of go through the process of actually getting it done. Mm -hmm. um, I hope to do more. I'm, I'm currently working on, the, on a collaboration with um, a friend of mine um, on, on just the community that has formed virtually through the pandemic. So just in this time of isolation, there's actually been more community than I've ever seen um, in my own life and across the world. I'm so connected oh, yeah. to so many people around the world um, through different different lives that have happened, like people connecting around different, different times of praying together at a certain time or uh, watching the show like The Chosen. Uh, there's an amazing show about the life of Christ um, yeah. that is the largest crowdfunded project of all time. And oh, wow. it has now been translated in 55 languages. It's now in every country and it's all free to watch. And it has changed people's hearts all around the world. And it's just, they, they have six more seasons coming. So I'm very excited about what's down the pike. Well, that. that's excellent. So, that's great. So that's what, and then I'm hoping to start a podcast um, soon about how our stories have impacted our relationships and our kind of understanding of who God is and who who we are called to be. So how our how our stories have connected us to one one another and to God. Excellent. Now, yeah, please let me know if I can help with that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, my own personal story, I, I feel that, uh, you know, I, that, that speaks to me in some way. And so, and also uh, in terms of just helping you get it off the, get off the ground. And um, so where can people find you, Annie? Um, my website is AnnieHarton.com. And then I'm pretty active on in Instagram at annie.harton so pretty easy to be on there but i do weekly weekly blogs and uh, share all that i'm doing um, on both of those places excellent and uh finally the last question that my audience loves to learn to answer to what is your favorite dinosaur we kind of hinted at it before oh yeah <laughs> t-rex um because whenever I need a laugh, I just imagine one of the T-Rex memes, like a T-Rex making a bed, a T-Rex doing a backstroke, <laughs> or, or just any sort of thing just makes me, makes me really laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it, it's such a good thing that they're not around anymore to uh, pay retribution. So. I know. So funny. <laughs> Well, thank you, Annie. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, like, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can find me at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. Please remember to uh, subscribe, like this episode. Let me know what you think about it. But remember, I'm a person I do have feelings. So use constructive criticism.
And as always, thank you so much for being here. Please have a great day. And remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness. Thank you.